0: It is Mother's Day, and we want to celebrate all the women in the house today. Uh, We are so thankful for the eternal difference that they make in our lives. Uh, In the Roberts home, there are three moms that we celebrate. My mom, Joyce's mom, and uh, Joyce, of course. Uh, My mom, I I tell you, growing up, um, the way she would pass life lessons to me were through idioms and through stories. Uh, you, Thou shall not steal. She had a story for it, and it's you know it's there, both in my head and in, in my heart. Uh, Joyce's mom, she's known for wise words. So there's a very funny story. I must share this with you. So she was living in the U.S. for some time. This was many years ago, and then she went back to India. And this is at a funeral. This is not even like a you know a relevant time to ask this question, but a young man about my age, many years ago we were young, so he comes up to my mother-in-law and says, uh, uh, auntie, because that's what they say in, back in India too, uh, the way they address the older women, says auntie, I heard that you wear pants while you were in the US. And um, so she said, son, did you see me wear it? So he said no. So then she said only say things that you saw. And I didn't know that he had a tail but he did it seems like because he put the tail between his uh, legs and he just he just left. you know and that that was um so we're thankful for her joyce i um, I'm thankful for her uh, pure heart clear conscience and sincere faith thankful for all the uh, Women And, you know, the eternal difference that they make, I'm not sure whether you came across this, but Barna came up with a study recently, just on the 7th of May it was released. And this is what the study says, that uh, there are, um, the study's name, the name of the study is uh, re- a research sample of the Household households of faith. It's called The Powerful Influence of Moms in Christian Households. So they came up with three findings that conversation partners, tough conversations, and spiritual coaches are all moms. And this is what Alice Youngblood, the managing editor at Barna said, over and over the study speaks to the enduring impact of mothers in conversation, championship, discipline, and importantly, spiritual development. And I know when it's a Mother's Day, it is difficult for some of us, some of us whose mothers are passed on, and and some of us who've not been able to become moms for whatever reason. But I want to celebrate with you the nature and the personhood of a woman, because when you are not able to bear, you fight against it. You don't take it for granted. We men are different. If we are told, we say, all right, whatever, and we go on with life. But you see, women, they, they give it a good fight. And that's reflected in their spiritual character, and their spiritual lives. And that is what we saw in the study. I want you to understand that if it weren't for mothers, we would never be able to re- raise our kids. You know, changing diapers, I don't know what all is required, but just imagine that. But more importantly, the spiritual. So we are thankful. And so I want to invite you to open your bibles please to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 and the title for today is man it takes a mom. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 we're going to read it three, four times till we get it into our heart, okay? And so what I've done is I've divided this in a way that we can remember. So if you will join with me to say it loud so that, you know, it registers in your heart. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Let's go through this again. Will you join me? I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Anybody wants to give it a try? Learn it by heart? But, but just, just imagine, this is, this is what Paul is saying. He's confident of the faith that Timothy has. But this is a landing verse. I want you to understand this is a, it's a result. This is something that is, you know, the sincere faith, the question that you have to ask is how did Timothy get that faith? How is it that Timothy's faith is a sincere faith? And the second question we have to ask is how do I, how do we as parents, how do you as mothers, how will you pass this on to the next generation? Sincere faith. Sincere faith. So, I want to make three observations. And we'll walk you through those three observations. One is, she named him right, she taught him right, and she showed him right. Three things we'll go through. She named him right, she taught him right, and she showed him right. All right? So, um, the first one is, she named him right. It's a focus on honoring God. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16, 16 verse 1. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. That is where we first hear about Timothy. Timothy is a disciple in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. You see, so Paul is in Lystra, and he meets Timothy, who is a disciple. Now, we don't know how Timothy came to know the Lord. It might be through the, through the first missionary when Paul came, because he calls him later his spiritual child. It's possible. But we hear about his parents. Now, his mom was a Jew, and she believed. Oh, she was a believer. She believed, all right? But his father was Greek. Now, that suggests in its language that maybe the father was not a believer. And if that is true, then Eunice is a single mom, spiritually speaking. She is raising Timothy by herself with the help of Lois, the grandmother. All right, so I, I want you to notice, if that were the case, what is the singular focus of Eunice, the singular focus of Eunice, in naming the child. Now, when we name the child, it's aspirational, isn't it? Because when we name our son, our daughter, we have a reason why we name, we have a purpose, we have a desire, and when Eunice names names the child Timothy, the name or the meaning of the word Timothy is to honor God. Honor God. You see, she is saying, I want to honor God. And my son, every time you hear your name being called out, I want you to know my desire for you is that your life would be a life that honors God. A God honoring life. You see that the, 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 the singular focus and I ask this to myself, that we don't miss the obvious. What is the reason that children are given to us? And I want to say it is that we can direct them to honor God. I have a friend who is, who is like a football player, like huge and 6'6", six, six and, and uh, he, he works from home. He works in the basement. And he's been living in that home for a long time. And so every time he goes down to his basement, there's this cross beam that he has to duck to be able to go through the door. Last year, 2018, he hit that cross beam twice and he suffered concussion. Now I tell you this because he missed the obvious. And mothers, fathers, I want to say sometimes we miss the obvious. We hit the cross beam. That we named him right and my prayer is therefore that we don't miss the obvious that we don't forget that in trying to show them love we haven't forgotten the purpose that our purpose and our our focus is intentional i want to give you a key word for each of those three so the key word for this is to be intentional Intentional. We want to be intentional about turning the bus around. We want to be intentional about recalibrating the priorities. You see, they're faced this way as they're born. We want to turn them around to face the cross. We want to recalibrate. We want to refocus their purpose. They they all come, come crying. And they continue to keep crying unless you tell them that they're not the center of the universe, that Christ is. Recalibrating. We need to be intentional about showing that they are not to be an idol worshiper of themselves, but they are the image bearers of God. It takes intentionality, it does not come naturally. I want us to also recognize that we need to be intentional to recognize that there is a difference between showing them self-worth and self-worship. We tend to be self-worshippers. We are idols. We we worship these idols that we have made of ourselves, and we confuse between self-worth and and self-worship. We need to show them that. We need to show that Christian life is a contrast community. You see, the world is directed in one side. We as Christians are headed the other way. It does not come naturally. It's about a life that intentionally crowns the Lord with every choice we sing that song, right? King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. We are intentional about it. Someone said the difference between mothering and being a mother is just that. You see, when you're mothering, when you're mothering, it's about giving in to the self-worship of that child. You're teaching the child that she or he is the center of everything. But when being a mother is about showing the right direction. About being the signpost. Son, daughter, life is about the glory of God. But not just that, she taught him right. She taught him right. It's about feeding on the word of God. I want you to turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And 15. Second, chapter, uh, Second Timothy chapter three, verse 14 and 15, it says, "But as for you, continue in what you learned, and have firmly believed what precious words are those when, if that has been said about your child, knowing from whom you learned in mothers, Paul is telling Timothy to remember what you learned from your mother, Eunice and Grandmother Lois. It says, and from your childhood, those precious words, you have been acquainted with sacred writings, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The key word out here is instructional. Instructional. If the first one is intentional, where she Named them right. Here we are saying that this is instructional. It is about, you see, if you have this intent to redirect them, then you need to have a means. You have to have the manual. You have to have the compass. You need to know which way to turn. And scripture, my brothers and sisters, is the, is the means. That points you to Christ. It says it is, it is wise unto salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that we saturate our children with the word of God. It's the text that Jesus uses when those two disciples were walking down Emmaus. He wanted to tell them about Jesus Christ, about himself. He leads them to the scriptures. When the gospel writers wanted to show that Jesus is the Messiah, he speaks from, they speak from the scripture. It is the scripture that points Jesus Christ. There is no other place we can turn to the scripture. And I pray that God's word is held in honor in our homes. That they know that our lives are directed based on this word, the written word of God. You see, because if life is a course, if life is a course that you're going to take, your textbook is the scripture. Everything else is additional reading. You see, we don't swap it. We don't swap it. We don't bring the Knowledge and the wisdom of God as the main means to direct our lives, and we add scripture in, it doesn't work. Scripture makes us wise unto salvation. And Eunice is telling us that you know age is not a barrier for them to start. You can start them young. I just loved it during the practice of the Easter play. I'm not sure how many of you caught that. There was this Roman soldier who was flogging, the one who was acting like Jesus, and our little kids was like, I'm not going to take part in that play. They they come up and they're trying to stop the Roman soldier from flogging the the flogging. The one who's acting like Jesus. Now, that, that's precious because there is a seed being placed into their heart. They recognize the importance and the joy of knowing this person, Jesus Christ. And I pray that as they grow up, that we can say exactly what Paul was able to say of Timothy. Continue. Be steadfast. That you firmly believe. Don't move from that. The word of God. You see, that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it, it says there, we look to that, knowing from whom you learned it. You see, Eunice was not just teaching it, but she practiced it. She showed it. It, it is because she applied this. And so Timothy was able to grow up. She, uh, Timothy was able to show what. The psalmist had said in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in, your, in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The other day, we were, um, we were getting out of the car, and we tried to, you know, when you press that black button, and you try to lock the door, and the car wouldn't lock. And we were like, what's happening? And then we re- realized that the, the car key was inside the car. And I thought that was just a great sermon illustration. I was just waiting till today to be able to share that with you. You see, because the car key is in the car, there was no lockdown of the car. And that's what the psalmist was saying, and that's what Timothy was able to experience because he hid God's word in his heart. There was no lockdown. It makes a difference through the Spirit of God who brings to bear, who brings to remembrance god's word you see scripture is all we've got really to make this eternal difference what does scripture do i heard this illustration recently and i thought it'd be good to share this you see scripture gives uh, (laughs) scripture gives you wings or scripture gives your children wings not red bull Scripture gives you wings for life. So your life has got two wings. One, it talks about the person of Christ. It tells you about conformity. It tells you about who Jesus Christ is. It tells you about the glories of Christ. It just makes you love this person who Jesus Christ is. And the second wing is about the purpose for which he came, the purpose and the mission of Jesus Christ. You see, so one is conformity. The other is what he has commanded us, this purpose where we submit our lives, we give up our will, and we say, your will be done in our life. You see, your will on earth, how does it go? Thy will be done on earth as it's in heaven. Thy will be done in my life, in my child's life. As it is in heaven. But I want to say, it is not just naming a person that is enough, or it is just teaching a person that is enough. But it is the third one, which says, showed him right. And the key word is being integral. Integral. It's part of you. It's natural to you. It's not, nothing is natural real, really because this is spiritual, but this has become you, integral. Because I want to read to you, again, that verse that we looked at, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, I'm reminded of your sense of faith, Uh, towards the end, and now I'm sure dwells in you also. But before that it says, first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois and Eunice. What it's saying is, it dwells in you because we saw that it dwelt in your grandmother and in your mother. They have provided the template of what a sincere faith looks like. The template. They believed what they practiced. They were not just being a signpost. They're not just standing there and saying, do this, do this, do this, but they're coming along as fellow travelers. They're saying that, I got to do this along with you, but come with me. They are echoing the same words as Paul, who says, do imitate me as I imitate Christ. The template that they put out. Because you would have heard of this, right? Trust is not taught. It is caught. You can teach as much as you want, but it's something that is caught. Now, the unfortunate part about this is what they catch also is, are your fears and your anxiety and the way you approach life. You see, they catch all of that. And so you really, we really need to, to lay it out and say, God, you know, I need help here. So we live, we, we tell them that this is the direction, this is the way I get to know what direction is through the scripture, I live it. It's inspiring, uh, you know, Joyce will tell you about her, about her mom, they were, they were six in the family and living on one income, and there were times when uh, it was difficult, there were challenges. But she said the way her mom would lay hold of the promises of God was grounding for her. She saw this faith being lived out. It's not just something that we say and talk about on a Sunday morning and enjoy knowing, but it's something that we can say, this is true, I can live it. And your children are watching so that they'll Learn this. You see, sincere faith is a faith. So you, you would have to ask this, right? What, what is the sincere faith? The opposite of sincere is hypocrisy. The sincere faith is a faith that practices what it believes, a faith that stands for it withstands the storms and the challenges. It's a faith that is not intellectual, but it is convictional. The danger in Christian homes is this, my brothers and sisters, is that they tend to see a cultural faith. They tend to see the kind of faith that we live, which is not sincere, which is just a veneer of faith. They think that is faith. They try to live that faith, but it does not stand. And it fails. Sincere faith, Paul was able to attest in the life of Timothy. So I think every mother's question is this how do I pass on a sincere faith? I, I don't want to be hypocritical. I know, I try, I try. I, I, I know that you, you all suffer, all moms suffer through what's called mom guilt. You know, you've tried, but you seem to fail and you want to do better and you put guilt on yourself. Ladies, sisters, I want to show to you, I want to show to you this one glorious thing is that you and I, as a father, I'm not able to do this on our own strength, that we need ourselves to turn to Christ. He alone, alone is the one who helps. There is this great insight that Paul writes to the church of Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, this is what he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. You see, we can plant, we can water, but who gives the growth? Who gives the growth? God gives the growth. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's not it's You are called to be good stewards, but our parents need to see that we are not gods. Then we're not directing their attention to ourselves. We're not saying that we are the perfect ones because if we direct their attention to ourselves, if it ends with us, they become worshippers of us. They become mom worshippers and dad worshippers, and you are going to fail. You need to be the signpost. You need to be the one who direct their attention, walk with them to the one who alone is the one who says he never fails, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so godly moms recognize that they can provide this environment of growth. They can see that we have this mandate of disciple-making. We have this great commission, and the discipleship-making begins at home. We make disciples of our children first. And, and so we what, what we do, as someone said, is we plant the trellis. Spring is coming up. We put this support, and it's God who gives the growth. We need to give the trellis on which these plants grow. We become a spiritual environmentalist. We put the nutrients, we weed, we uh, remove the tatch, but it's God who gives the increase. And so on this Mother's Day, we don't worship our mothers. We celebrate our mothers But we worship God as all of you mothers face and turn to Christ. We want to come alongside you because it's said that it takes a child to raise, it takes a village to raise uh, raise a child. And our goal and our endeavor as a community of faith is this, thou we will be we will be intentional about honoring god and so we will show them to be intentional about honoring god that we will be instructed by the word of god and so we'll instruct them to on the word of god and that genuine faith would be integral to our lives genuine faith we are not going to compromise in any which way to give a cultural shallow kind of faith to the next generation paul was able to say this of timothy which encompasses three generations who can who can say with me the landing verse that we had second timothy chapter 1 verse 5 anybody Anybody can, we will go back to that. You can just read it out to you, not a problem. Who wants to join in? Anybody? Say it again. That's right, that's right. We want the same faith, a sincere faith, that our faith is not just, you know, for show. It's a real faith that we want to pass on. And I pray that all of us you know, when we hear on that day, well done, good and faithful servant, it would be because we were able to pass on a sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, that a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm sure dwells, and now I'm sure dwells in you. As well. Father God, we want to thank you for the assurance that you give us through your Son. That you are the one who strengthens. You are the one who helps grow. You are the one, O Lord, who as we examine our own life and we find it failing and being frail, we pray, O God, that you who has promised that you will never fail, that you who've told us that you will be our strength would be the one who will help us to be good mothers, good fathers, good uncles, good grandmothers, good grandfathers, and good church community as we come along and see our children grow. Not a faith that is just a sham, that does not stand, that will be shaken once they get out into the world and into the universities, but a faith that is sincere, that they will continue in that faith because they're committed to that faith, for they're convicted of that faith, in that faith, they know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. We pray this to be true for all of us, Lord, not one exception. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for all that you've been to us in Jesus Christ, the Lord, and all God's people said, Amen.